Welcome to This Guy's Sick, I'm Sam and you are listening to our Joker mini episode. I saw the Joker last night and it is one of those movies that you want to digest a little and it's one of those movies where immediately afterwards you're full of words, you know, you're full of thoughts, you're full of, you know, want to talk about, you want to, you want to, um, get it out of your system, because there's a lot to take in, there's a lot that goes on in this movie, from a standpoint of, like, just what the movie is, and what it's about, and firstly, the people that walked out, the people that have been criticising it, saying it's a bad movie, uh, and, I did a mini episode on the controversy before, and I hadn't seen the film yet. Firstly, I just want to say to those people, like, why? The the violence in this film is not that bad. Like, it really isn't. I've seen so many more movies. Right? I tell you what, there are episodes of Game of Thrones, like The Red Wedding, or like burning the fucking little girl alive on a fire, on a pyre right that are way worse than anything like there are just scenes in game there are single scenes in game of thrones that are more grim and dark than anything you see in this movie in a show like game of thrones there's like rape and there's like butchering and murder and torturing and just that series alone you can pick out many single episodes of that season and see worse violence and darker themes than you will see in this Joker film. That's not to say that this Joker film isn't dark. It's very dark, right? And it's darker in a better way. It's darker in a more realistic way. In fact, the whole way through the film, you could actually see... It's believable. Everything in the movie is believable both to our current climate both to the 90s but to the 80s to the 70s like there are points in time that have happened over and over again where there's civil unrest and civil uprising and it does play heavily on those sort of factors the weird thing and quite possibly the weirdest criticism is it's this the the left wing uh, leaning people claiming that this movie is like a an incel uh, love song and that it is going to encourage lone loners lone violence lone shooters and all this stuff right however the film is a very left-leaning movie um, without giving any spoilers because what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about the film and then the story separate, and I'll give you fair warning. However, um, the Joker exposes the way people with mental illness are treated by society and holds a mirror up to it. Uh, the Joker holds a mirror up to how rich and poor are divided. The Joker holds a mirror up to the way that people look down upon other people and judge other people by their weirdnesses or things they can't do anything about even so the joker shows you that people treat other people badly based on biases and based on prejudice prejudice right so if you are someone who is left-leaning this should be a film you enjoy like i don't understand the criticism that oh the alt-right are gonna love it like this is such a weird fucking like did you watch the film when you were saying this stuff like that's what that's something i couldn't say on the first little joker episode did you actually see this movie i think the people that walked out is definitely some sort of staged act and the entire rumor mill about this movie about how it's going to inspire people to shoot is 100 percent incorrect if it inspires anyone to do anything it will inspire people to treat other people better. If it inspires anyone to do anything, it will inspire people to like bully less and treat people better and kind of be and be kinder because that's the message of this movie. Like you create monsters or the society can create monsters by simply looking down 
on someone for being different. And that's a big core of this movie. Don't get me wrong. The person they're looking down on. Uh, he is already at that point. Right. I think the character of Arthur is too far gone. He's already too far gone. That, that the spiral began a long time ago. And that he was an accident waiting to happen. And the events of this movie are what pushed him over the edge. But I think had the events of this movie not happened, something else would have happened. Eventually he would have been pushed. He was too far gone in my mind, right? And it's it's a dark, dark fucking movie. Like, it, it, it really is. Now, previously... I've mentioned I'm not a huge fan of Heath Ledger's Joker. And this is typically true. I don't think his Joker is that great. I'll get this right off the bat now as to why. I think you could have taken his character and called it Victor Zaz or called it the Riddler, taken the makeup off that portrayal of the Joker and you could have called it anything else and it would have been just as good a performance i'm not knocking heath's performance i think it is a 10 out of 10 performance i think it's a fantastic performance i think he gives you fucking shivers down your spine watching his performance i just don't think he plays the joker i think he plays something else i think he plays like a different character altogether and that it just happens to have joker as the name and wear purple and have the face paint on Right, and that's that's where he is the Joker. The Joker is in how he looks, not in how the character is portrayed. Uh, Heath Ledger's Joker genuinely could be the Riddler. He makes Batman choose between Harvey Dent and his girlfriend. They like can, you know, he makes him go on these missions. It's same with the thing with the boat at the end, right? It's the it's um, the same stuff. Oh, the bridge is down. It's like this all seems very Riddler-like to me. Uh, the way Joker in that movie uh, kills reminds me of Victor Zaz, and he could easily have been a different character and still worthy of every performance, you know, every accolade for the performance. But as the character of the Joker, I didn't think he was very Joker-like. That said, I've seen some people saying the exact same thing about. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker and I can see in my mind a complete difference between the two characters the character of Arthur is one person and once he becomes the Joker while Arthur's past has shaped the character of the Joker and while Arthur's problems and the way Arthur was treated have made him become the Joker. Once he becomes the Joker, it is Arthur is gone. Arthur is dead once he gives in and becomes Joker. Like the way he talks changes, the way he carries himself changes, the way he moves, the way he um, looks and surveys the room. Like just these little things that he does, right? It's fucking, like, the acting ability of Whacking Phoenix, I've been a fan of for a very long time, is is so on point with showing you this transformation. Like, even his body, right? So he's really fucking skinny in this film. But then as he starts becoming the Joker, he starts looking more fleshed out. He starts looking healthier. It's like turning into this avatar of just you know everything bad that's happened to him turning into that became his way out like he's that's who he's meant to be almost like you get to this point where that is the joker is who he is like joker is the best version of himself and that is a, a maniac you know a psychopath and a maniac is the best version of himself and i think that a portrayal like that of the joker is to me an excellent way of doing things you know if you were to look at um jack nicholson's joker obviously he was a, a wise guy and a gangster first and then he becomes the joker and you see him straight up transform from being 
just this gangster who's not at the top of the gang, you know, he's kind of middle of the ground uh, gangster, and he's got a bit of swagger to him, and then when Jack Nicholson becomes the Joker, he becomes theatrical, and he becomes sort of big and larger than life, and that is something that Joaquin Phoenix does, he becomes larger than life as the Joker, he becomes very, very theatrical, he, you know, the way he moves, he stands with his arms extended, you know, he dances around, like he becomes a theatrical piece, he becomes a big sort of uh, character, and that's again something Heath Ledger doesn't do, not once do you look at Heath Ledger and see that theatrical, uh, fantastical side to the Joker character, which was definitely a big part of joker um in every other form you know for season romero hell even even jared leto does that larger than life theatrical colorful version of the joker that we see more than Heath ledger does even jared leto who gets panned everywhere right for his performance of the joker which I'm, i don't really blame him he recorded 45 minutes in that movie and they used about 10. So without any nuance, without any backstory, without any real reason behind the character, you just see little snippets and go, huh, that's it? That's the fucking Joker? So I don't even blame him. I blame the director. They should release the director's cut and throw that 45 minutes in and see if it makes a fucking difference, if you ask me. So let's move on to the music choices. Every song in this film feels like it's been fucking carefully chosen and crafted and placed, right? If you watch a lot of blockbuster movies, the director doesn't have that much choice over what song goes where. Often or not, a composer's already given them a piece for the score and they just have to find a place to use it. And due to... Um, record label deals they already have pop songs or rock songs that they have to put in there because these are these are part of the deal these are part of some sort of licensing deal this film does not do that this film has songs in it that have been chosen for those scenes the way that movies should be made in my opinion the way that things should be made right every single song fits the score fits like the music the way the way it all sets the tone is all fucking fantastic the cinematography is is Scorsese-esque, and I'll say that now. What I'll say now before I move on is this is a love song to Martin Scorsese movies, especially his non-gangster movies, because what people forget is that he didn't just... Like, you've got films like uh, Cape Fear, uh, The King of Comedy, and Taxi Driver, which are not gangster movies, and to me, they're probably Scorsese's best films. Uh, all starring Robert De Niro, who is also in Joker. And those three movies probably, they play, to me, they play heavily on this film. And I've not seen anyone mention Cape Fear at all. But Max Cady is essentially a version of Arthur in a way, right? Now, Max was not bullied and... Um, pushed down max was a brutal evil motherfucker in prison to begin with when we see him that's where he is but there is that side to him that psychotic side to him that king of comedy and taxi driver don't don't nail that psychotic side as much as cape fear does so those three films come to mind. Falling Down comes to mind and Fight Club comes to mind in when I'm watching The Joker. Um, and if you were to mix those five films together, you would get something similar to Joker. So the cinematography is, is on point. Like It looks... It's just beautifully shot. Like Again, much like the music, the way the camera is moving, the way the scenes look the the color palette the lens flare that is used quite often in it to, to convey you know uh well it just conveys atmospherics really it, it fits every single scene it fits every scene there is not there's, there's no wasted scenes in this movie every scene feels like it's very deliberate very uh paced and just moves with it 
The other thing this film has is, I went and saw Avengers this year. I've seen quite a few films this year, uh, lots actually, and most of them I think I get halfway through and I'm like, I need to go to the toilet, or I start thinking. I start thinking about something else. You know, I still watch the film and I don't move on, but I start in my head. I start going, oh, I wonder if this or I wonder if that. Watching this film, I was transfixed on it. It hooked me in. I was just letting the movie wash over me. Letting this, it was, it was an experience watching it. You know, it was it was a a different different kind of film. And in prep to it, I decided to watch some of the movies that people were going. It rips off this. It rips off that. Right. So I hadn't seen King of Comedy in maybe over ten years, and I hadn't seen Taxi Driver in about four four years since the last time I watched it. And I saw these movies when I was a kid, and I probably shouldn't have been watching them. And I rewatched Taxi Driver, and I rewatched The King of Comedy before going to see this film. And like I said, there are scenes that are very, very similar. There's a scene in Taxi Driver where he holds the gun to the TV and, like, aims it. There's a scene like that in Joker. And in King of Comedy, Pupkin has like a a wild imagination and you see scenes that aren't real. You see him have conversations with... And these movies are fucking 30 years old. So if you're saying I'm spoiling the King of Comedy, if you haven't seen that movie by now, that's on you. But he, he has conversation but they, they you know that these conversations aren't real like the movie doesn't trick you they let you know that he's having conversations with not just conversations like full scenes playing out in his mind that are not real and you get to witness those and then you get to flash back to his real life and then you get to witness the things that aren't real then you get to flash back to his own life and then when the movie ends, and it ends on like a, a kind of high note, and it ends on him being renowned and stuff, you don't know now if this is true or not. Like, you know he gets arrested. You know he definitely goes to prison. And then it's like, because he did it on live TV. Uh, now after three years, he's out, and he's got a book deal, and he's going to be a stage act. And, he's, and it's like, right, this... This doesn't, like, is this real at the end or is this fake? And it does that. And it's Taxi Driver does that too. You actually don't know by the end of it. Taxi Driver ends with a similar scenario. And again, these are movies that are like 30 years old. If you haven't seen it, I'm not giving you a spoiler warning for fucking Taxi Driver. But essentially has a big shootout at the end. And you know that either he... It appears that he dies. And then the next thing you know, he was actually in hospital for a couple of months in like a coma and he woke up and he's a hero and he saved the day because he was there and did this shoot out and people write to him sorry i've got a bit of a cold pissing down with rain here so if my voice is a bit funny or if i'm a little bit breathy or a little bit like wet-lipped it's because of that so it basically like he ends up being this hero and you wonder to yourself did he just die and these are his imaginations or is this his coma is he just imagining that he's a hero and he didn't just murder some people they did save the day because they were bad people and he gets the better of the woman who rejects him and she rejects him because he's fucking weird right it's not he doesn't reject him because he does normal shit in Taxi Driver, she rejects him because when they go out to see a movie, he decides to take her to see a fucking porno. That's why he's rejected by the chick. She doesn't dislike him. She actually finds him attractive, funny. She gets on with him. She thinks he's mysterious. There's something about him. He's just a fucking weird. He's just weird, right? He's just another broken person. And at the end, he gets to say basically to her, no, fuck you. Oh, you want me now? I'm a hero. Yeah, get lost. He gets to kind of do that. And and it just seems too good to be true. And a lot of people wonder if that's real or not. Now, see, with Taxi Driver, I tend to believe that that actually happened because that's the way society is. That, like, okay, yeah, this guy could have been named 
as like a a killer and a fucking psychopath. But because he happened to kill junkies and fucking uh, drug dealers and pimps, right? Because that's who he killed. He's a hero, yeah. And that and that is, you know, how people weigh life. You know how people weigh one life against the other. He's a hero because the people he killed are X, right? He's a hero because the people he killed are this. But he's a villain if you kill, as in Joker, you kill people who work for Wall Street or something like that. You know, you you are now a villain depending on who it is that you kill. We weigh life off against these imaginary tick boxes. And Taxi Driver and Joker both play on that. So now I will give you a spoiler warning. We're 20 minutes into this. Spoiler warning. I'm going to talk about the character and I'm going to talk about the story. Arthur lives alone with his mother. And if you've seen the movie and you're still listening, you'll know what I mean. And I am going to talk about my views on these things. If you haven't seen it, just stop now and come back to this once you have. And he has a very strange relationship with his mother, right? They appear to share a bed. He washes her uh, in the bathtub. His mother is ill and she has an obsession with Thomas Wayne. She's always writing letters to him. She's always talking about Thomas Wayne and how he's going to save the city. He's going to save the city. And speaking of the city, this is the best portrayal of Gotham in any movie so far. To me, I look at Gotham and I do think of that gangster wise guy era and you don't see any of that in this. But just the fact that it's such a dump, right? And it's not done in this way. Like, if you look at the Nolan ones, there's always mist and shit in the background. It's always damp and wet. Uh, it, it, there's always that sort of... Um, like, it's a very old technique where... You know, you walk down a dark alley and there happens to be fog in the alley. And that, like, and he does a lot of that. And this doesn't do that. This just portrays a scummy suburban area that, due to lack of funding, is just becoming torn down into just a fucking absolute dump. And I don't know how much history people listen to or pay attention to, but... There was a point in the history of New York just before Trump started buying buildings there where this lack of funding, funding being cut in certain areas of New York and the and the poor being just fed up and angry of it all because they, it's their, their lives, they're leaving. You know, they, they can't afford to live there because, not because they, they're being pushed out via price, they can't afford to live there because they're getting shot and they're getting killed. And basically, like, the, the, the real story is that, that, that people like Trump and property developers at the time bought all these derelict buildings and properties for dirt cheap and turned them into luxury apartments and brought the rich back into the city and kind of tried to turn it around, right? And this movie does kind of use a very similar sort of tactic to that, that real life thing. The city is falling apart. City in desperate need of a hero, whether it be a mayor like Thomas Wayne, who's running for mayor, or as we'll get to Batman at some point in the future, because this movie is a, is a place you wouldn't want to live there. And it is very segregated between the poor and the rich and the rich treat the poor badly and look down on them and treat them like shit but it doesn't just do that because in Arthur's case everyone treats him like shit everyone from the tv show host which he idolizes and that's where the king of comedy stuff comes in he idolizes this tv show host he dreams about the tv show host telling him like oh you're such a good guy like he has these like fucking imaginary untrustworthy scenes where you know this is just in his head and he, he kind of lives in a bit of a make-believe world like he he just lives with his mum in a town that's shit he's got no friends everyone treats him like crap and he anyone who's slightly nice to him throughout the film he latches on to 
So the character of, of uh, that Zazie Bates plays is his neighbour, and he sees her once in the lift, and they have a small interaction, and the next thing you know, they're dating, they're going out, and they're kissing, and his mum gets ill, and she's there for him, and she's rubbing his back, and like it's all like, okay, yeah, you found someone in your life who's treating you well. And I, I knew what was up. Uh, the, when I was watching it, I turned to the person I, I, I went with and I was like, yeah, this ain't, this ain't kosher. This stuff ain't happening. Like that, that him getting this girl like that just doesn't make fucking sense. And she's either not real and never existed or he's making it up. Lo and behold, he's making all this stuff up in his head. This girl ain't there. This is just more of his delusion, you know. In fact, that's probably his conscious at this point, trying to fucking rein him in through an avatar of this woman. And that's why I said it's similar to Fight Club. Like, he has moments where he's interacting with people who are not there. Like, he goes to the comedy club to do stand-up for her. She's the only one laughing in it. No one finds him funny. The reality is she was never there he goes on a date and they go and eat food and he's giggling and laughing and talking to her. She is not there. Like this didn't happen. You, you imagined the whole lot. And this comes to a head because he breaks into her apartment and she walks in and she's like, what the fuck? You're Arthur, aren't you? And that's when the game's up. You're like, she doesn't know him. He doesn't really know him. And you've been led to believe that they're having a relationship and then when you see him break into her apartment she doesn't know who he is and his descent into madness he does come off his meds as well they, they do make sure to make you do it. so it's like a cocktail of of just so many things going wrong in someone's life that you can turn into some fucking psychopath and that's the bit that i think people are worried about I think people were like, oh no, this could this could make people think that's a good idea or that's something that, that's worth doing in life or, or whatever the fuck they think it's going to do. It glorifies it. No, you feel sorry for him and you have sympathy for him because he's treated like shit, but every single fucking thing he does in the film in terms of like murdering people, in terms of just fucking... Gut, he's, he's wrong. Like, he's wrong. He's... He's weird. He's obsessed with a woman he's, he's met once. Like, he kills people indiscriminately once he, once he turns and starts killing. And none of these people deserve to die. They're assholes, but none of them deserve to die. So the first people he kills are these rich bankers who attack him. First, they're hounding a woman. He gets in fits of laughter because he's got a condition that is neurological that makes him laugh when he's sad or nervous they attack him he pulls a gun and kills all three of them now yes they attacked him they deserve to be arrested they deserve to be uh punished for it and it was a horrible thing to do but he kills them like their attack if you were to look at the the justice system attacking someone doesn't mean you get given the fucking death penalty right that's not how it works. So he murders all three of them. He has uh, a, a clown friend uh, who lets him down and stitches him up and he, he loses his job. And when the clown friend comes to, to visit him, he, he murders him. He kills the game show host. And all the game show host does is air the video of him bombing at the, the club on his TV show. Like which we all do like who looks at fucking vine compilations or whatever the fuck they are or youtube videos of people failing and fucking up or falling down but who who watches um these x factor and reality tv show shit where we laugh at people going on stage and making a fucking idiot of themselves britain's got talent america's got talent all that stuff lots of people watch that lots of people do it and lots of people don't see a fucking issue with it and that's what this film is holding a mirror up to He's holding a mirror up to, is it okay to fucking laugh at people for being mentally ill? 
is it okay to laugh at people for being fucking clueless about how bad they are at something because there's clearly not something right there there's not something something is not going on there's something not ticking in that head right people do it people laugh at that shit People go out of their way to find videos on YouTube of people who are drunk or people that are stupid or people falling over. And again, like I said, these reality TV shows are inundated with people laughing at mentally ill people. 100% of people that have uh, learning difficulties. It's full of it. it. It's absolutely full of that, Right. And we're meant to we're meant to laugh at it. You're meant to find it funny. We watch them get ridiculed. You get Simon Cow going. That's a no from me. Um, did you know that you sound like you're a cat getting buggered by a um, a massive dicked uh, orangutan? That's what you sound like. You sound like a cat getting buggered by an orangutan. Like we watch it and people laugh at it, and an audience fucking laugh and boom. And and I'm mean to them and join in in this mass fucking shaming of people. And that's what happens to Arthur. And he's shamed and disrespected and treated like shit and physically beaten and hurt from the opening of the movie. Even to the end of the film, he is still physically being hurt. One thing I will say. And I think this, I don't know if many people have picked up on this yet. He commits his crimes with the paint on. So the first time he kills anyone, he has clown makeup on. And this is a running theme throughout the movie apart from one which is a very personal thing for him he has his makeup on when he commits his crimes he's 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 compartmentalized his brain from arthur and joker and you don't realize it yet but once he makes that transformation and once he looks better, he's, 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 he's something new about him. It's like he completely moves himself from one to the other. You can see that coming. There's like an ominous tone throughout the film of like, shit. This is not going to end well. And the more this keeps happening, you're like, fuck, it's not going to... Like, there's only one way this is going. The, the ball is already rolling and at many points in the movie you wonder if someone just interjected here if someone just stepped in here if this one person didn't do something but like i said earlier i think the ball was already rolling and i don't think you could have stopped what was coming because it was years too late and they delve into that when you find out about his history and about you know how he was lied to most of his life didn't know who he is, doesn't know who he is. It adds that air of mystique to the Joker because people are like, oh, I thought the Joker was Napier. I didn't know it was going to be Arthur fucking Fleck. But then you realise that that's not even that his birth name. He was adopted by his mother and he was, you know, given the name of Arthur Fleck. It's not who he is. And you don't know where he came from before that. You find out that he was abused as a child, beaten, battered as a child. That this is something that's always happened to him. You find out that his mother was mentally ill, which you kind of knew anyway, really, at the beginning of it. And that she lied to him. Uh, at some point in the film, she tells him that Thomas Wayne is his real dad. And he goes to after Thomas Wayne. He goes to find out if this is true. And then he's like, no, it's bullshit. Then he digs it deeper into it. And yeah, Thomas isn't his dad. He was adopted by his mum. This isn't this isn't some sort of strange story where he now becomes Bruce Wayne's brother. No, this is just more lies that he's had in his life. And, he, and his life is just constant torture. Like he never has any moment where he can just sit back and go, oh, I'm happy. Like he just doesn't have that. And, it, and he's never had that. 
And that's the real tragedy of the character because there are people in the real world like that. And when people start talking about, ah, oh, there could be shootings. No, no, no. Wait, what? Listen, don't worry about whether they're not people can turn. Worry about making sure people don't turn. Yeah? Don't worry about the fact that they're, oh, look, there are crazies out there. You're still judging people. When you're writing these fucking articles, don't go and see the Joker because it can inspire incel violence. Maybe you should be sitting there asking yourself, how can we stop incel violence? How can we stop people from being uh, disenfranchised to this point and this degree? And in the communities that are out there, in different communities, in the, especially in the left, people of certain corridors on the left are some of the most disenfranchised people in the world. And they are likely to find themselves in real trouble in their lives and be be subjected to violence and be subjected to suicide and things like that so why are you arguing the point about this fucking movie and not seeing it as a rally cry to be nicer to people that's what i'm getting from it i'm getting from it be just be fucking nice to people even if they're weird you don't know what made them weird you don't know what made them like that so why why are you fucking judging them for it and like that's a big part of this film without fucking fail and with that, recently I've been reading just the articles that's just come up, right, um, about male suicide. Uh, I did, um, on on a different podcast, I did a little episode about male suicides because a pro wrestler that I, I followed his career killed himself. And I hear way too often, I hear, I speak to my sister and it's like, oh, did you know so-and-so? Oh, well, not really, but, I, you know, I know the name. Oh, they killed themselves. Uh, you know, I will um, go into a local bar and I'll hear that someone has, has killed themselves. I pick up a newspaper and I hear about a dad who was denied access to his child. The mum had ran off to Spain and he's killed himself. Or I hear about someone who's lost their job. And, and do you know what I mean? And like, you look at these situations, you're like, fuck. What Joker does is... What happens if this person who has been put through this shit, right, that you see kill themselves, what happens if they turn the violence outward instead of inward? That's what happens with Arthur. He turns the violence that he feels towards himself outwards towards society. He turns the violence that his mind is going through, the torture his mind is going through, and he puts he subjects it on other people rather than ended his own life. There are so many little messages in this film that I just I just find it strange that people fucking walked out and protested it and screamed and cried about it. And, oh, a guy walked in with a backpack on during the movie, so we shit ourselves and ran away. Like, I just find it fucking strange because there's nothing like that in this film. It's not, it's not like there is a point in the movie where people are watching a film and he goes in there. He doesn't start mass opening, shooting on people. He goes there to find Thomas Wayne. He goes there to see the person who he believes is his dad. And this is where he first finds out that it's not true. And there's just so many scenes like that in the movie that it's a fucking good film. Does not deserve anything less than 80% out of 100. You... You could not like superhero films and you'll love this because it's not a superhero film. It's not even a real villain movie. It is um, a character piece that kicks off the story or a version of the Joker. And as I said about my criticisms with Heath, I don't feel like that with him, with, with Joaquin Phoenix because the way becomes something else, like the transformation is fucking top-notch and his performance while people say oh it reminds me of this and it reminds me of that and oh, it's a love song to incel violence no it's a love song to martin scorsese however his personal performance right doesn't remind me of de niro and taxi driver or anything like that it reminds me of the portrayal of buffalo bill in Silence of the Lambs, 
which was played by Ted Levine, right? Or Levine. I can't remember how you pronounce his name. So if you've seen Science of the Lambs and you know how Buffalo Bill is and the way he acts and his weird body movements and the, the way he's trying to become something else, that is what I get from Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. I get very much the Buffalo Bill side of things. Like I get, I get that portrayal pushed on this character more than anything else. So, like I said, he kills people, he kills his mother, he goes just on a downward spiral, he ends up on the game show host because they've all been laughing at him, because they've been laughing at his video of him bombing in the nightclub, and he just, and it's that this moment when he's there that he becomes the, that he fully becomes the Joker, like you've seen the downhill spiral, you've seen him in makeup, moving more and more and more towards finding this persona. And when he is on stage, he finds it. And he talks about comedy being subjective. How dare you tell me what I can and can't laugh at or what is and what isn't funny. You know, society treats mentally ill people like shit. Like he goes off on this rant and then he's like, do you want to hear a joke? And then that's that's the, the, what happens when you get a society that treats someone with mental illness like they're nothing, like they're worthless. And he's like, what? And he blows the game show host. He just fucking shoots him. You know, he just fucking opens up a hole in his head and just kills him. Stands up, shoots him a couple more times. Prances around the fucking stage. Like he's now, he, he is now changed. You're never getting Arthur back. There's going to be, there's going to be no return to Arthur. It's Joker from now on. That, person is is long gone right and the movie ends with him he's obviously there's riots on the streets he gets broken out of the police car he is you know he he's caused riots and problems but the the city was already brimming with defiance and anger throughout from the start of the movie everyone is on edge but the symbol of a clown has become the avatar of the disenfranchised because Thomas Wayne said, these people are clowns. These people writing and angry are clowns. They are clowns. Um, they do not know what's good for them. The you know We as the upper class people, as the elite, if they just vote for me and I become mayor, I can save this city. I can turn this city around. Stop blaming people with money for your problems. We're not the reason for your problems. We're the only people with money to solve your problems. And we will solve your problems if you just fucking let us. You're all a bunch of clowns, right? And he's a dickhead. But then also, if you know anything about Thomas Wayne through comics and stuff, he does, he's a bit of a philanthropist. Like He does want to use his money to change things. Like That's not a lie. He's not just a rich snob. They twist it so that he's a bit of a dickhead. Right when you find out he's not so much of a knob in the comics, like, or sometimes he is as well. In the comic where it's Bruce who dies and Martha and he becomes Batman, he's a ruthless killer and a fucking psychopath, Thomas Wayne. I think he could have gone either way. So these riots and stuff happen, and Thomas Wayne is killed during the riots, as is Martha, and Bruce is left standing there. The, you know, the origin of Batman that we all know. We see that very quickly. They don't play into it too much. You just see that scene. And the movie ends with Joker, or without the face paint, but Joker in Arkham. And he appears to kill his therapist and try to escape. And that's the end of the film. Now, here's the little twist part to it. When I'm watching that scene, and I'm thinking of the way Taxi Driver ends, where it's like too good to be true. And I believe that is the true ending of Taxi Driver. Or I'm thinking of a couple of different things, you know, a couple of different films or books. I'm thinking of Fight Club, but the, the movie, not the movie, the book. The end of Fight Club, uh, he's arrested and thrown in a jail, in, in a mental home. And when the janitors come to see him or the... the to give him his medicine or the, the mentally uh, the uh the mental doctors i don't know what they are the white coats you know they're not even doctors are they they're like orderlies or something they come and see him 
they say to him, we'll get you out of here one day, sir. And you realise that they're part of Project Mayhem. And you're like, all oh, right, okay. But by that point, he's so fucking far gone that you can't know whether that happened or not. The same with King of Comedy at the end when he's now like a hero and the most well-known celebrity in the world with a best-selling book because he went and because he kidnapped someone to get on TV that you don't know whether that happened or not or is this just more of his delusion so there are two things here was the did anything in the joker actually happen and has he just been in arkham this entire time and that scene at the end is just him imagining shit like is this the shit he's writing in his book all the time and that he's actually just been in the mental home and none of this stuff happened right there could be and i'll i'll say why so when he sees the therapist in um, the real-time events that you see in the movie, he, he has to go see a therapist at her office. Um, she says to him, how did you end up in... How did you end up being locked away? Do you remember what you got locked away for? And she says that, and they, and they leave it at that. Like they, don't let, like, they don't say anything else. But that... That scene where she says, do you remember what you got locked away for? What you got put in the mental home for? Because she says, how are you finding it out here on the streets? Or how are you finding it now? And he goes, I felt it was better when I was locked inside. And she says, do you remember what you were locked inside for? And doesn't say anything. And then at the end, he's locked in. And what I wonder if that scene where she says, do you remember what you got locked inside for? He's still inside, like, he's inside the Arkham at that point. They could make, like, because he's an untrustworthy narrator, we already see things that, scenes that never happened. The stuff with the girl never happened. All he did was meet her once. It's only once he breaks into her apartment and she goes, what the fuck are you doing here? That you realise that she's not real. Is all of it not real? Is all of it in his head? Is it all fake? Is he just that far fucking gone that everything he's imagined, this, I become the Joker, the symbol of the... Like, is that all just one man's fucking mental illness? Is that all just one man going down the rabbit hole? Because that scene ends, and he obviously kills the woman and tries to escape the prison. And this is the end... Uh, uh, tries to escape Arkham. And this is the end of, of the film. That's where, that's where it ends. And there's just so many little things in it that, that like they weave little bits of thread that I'm hoping we get to see him come back as the Joker and I'm hoping we get to see him move more into the theatrical bits that we saw at the end because he could very well become the best Joker ever. Uh, I still have a soft spot for Nicholson. I still have a, a massive soft spot for Mark Hamill. But there is something about the way this Joker is and is played and portrayed that just pulls me in so many er different areas that it probably is the best portrayal of the Joker yet. And I know there's going to be people saying, oh, you said Heath isn't very Joker-like. How can you say this is? Because of the theatrical element, because he becomes this thing, you know, like it, it takes its own mind. It becomes its own thing. He changes into it. It's, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So this is my review for The Joker. I suppose I should give it a, a, a you know, I'll use a 10, a scale out of 10. Um, and you know these like rotten tomatoes type fucking things that you get. How many fresh tomatoes do you get? I'd give it an 8.5. I want, to get a 9 out of 10, a movie has to be almost perfect. To get a 10 out of 10, it should be unobtainable by any, any... There's no such thing as a perfect film. Everything can be improved upon, right? So 10 out of 10 should not exist. 9 should be the, the almost perfect. Perfect should not exist. You should never be able to obtain perfect because there's always room for improvement for everything you do in life. You can never be fucking 100% perfect. Nothing should be able to get a 10 out of 10. Nine should be a perfect movie. This gets an 8.5. And it would almost get a 9. And the reason it doesn't get a 9. And there's just one little thing. About the movie. That 
I didn't like. And that was the scene where he goes to see Bruce Wayne. And he manages to get up close to Bruce, who lives in Wayne Manor, right? Up to the fence. There's no fucking security there. Like, no, no, Bruce is allowed to wander around the garden and just fucking run over to this guy and chat to him. There was something about it that I was thinking, like, no, 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 no. Someone would have stepped in very, very, like, you you wouldn't even be able to get close to the fucking fence of, of Wayne Manor, right? I know with, you know, CCTV and stuff didn't quite exist. Or it did exist, but not that much. But someone like the Waynes would have had patrolmen and shit at that point in time. And it's, I suppose it's meant to be Alfred who, who, who finds him. And, you know, the guy's British and interrupts his conversation with Bruce, right? But I just feel like that scene, I feel like it could have been stopped quicker and it might, it might, you know... It was seen seemed just a tiny tiny bit out of place to the rest of the film. A good scene, nonetheless. But again, like interacting with Bruce when he's a boy, and like Batman when he he's an and a Joker. Like to me, as the comic book fan, I just like I don't need that. I don't need to see the thirty-five year old Joker talking to twelve year old Bruce. I don't need. I don't need it. Like in fact, they. They don't, they don't even need to go that far. Like, even just them seeing each other to me is a little bit too much. Just Bruce looking at him and him looking back. It is, But then also with it, it's an Easter egg. So I don't demote it down as going, it's the worst scene in the film. It's not a bad scene. It, it, it can give you chills because it's like, you know who these two are going to become. Like, you know where it's going. Like, you can see that this is the beginning of the dichotomy between the two. So I'm not 100% burying that scene. I'm just saying that if there had been a little tweak to it, this could have very well been a 9 out of 10 movie. And as I said, a 10 out of 10 should never exist. If you give a movie a 10 out of 10, there's something wrong with you because nothing should be that fucking good. Like, if you give a movie 10 out of 10, you might as well call it quits on ever making another film again. That's how I feel with something like that. Um... Yeah, so this has been the review. So 8.5 out of 10. Go see it. It's fucking excellent. If Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win a fucking Oscar, it's because of the bullshit media bias and leftist fucking rhetoric that's been thrown at this film unjustly. They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They chose not to fucking see it properly. They chose not to know what was going on. They deliberately misconstrued how everything in the fucking movie went. It is an 8.5 out of 10. It is a fucking solid film. It's the best film I've seen this year. It's the best film to hit the cinema this year that I've that I've personally seen. You should go see it if you haven't seen it and you decide to listen to the spoiler bit anyway. Then, that, you know, some people do. But you should definitely go fucking see this film if you haven't. If you have seen the film, you'll probably agree with me on a lot of the points I've made. And if you feel I'm wrong, throw it in the comments, throw it somewhere. Let us know that you, you disagree with certain parts. And thanks for listening. We'll be back with another episode at the end of the week. Uh, maybe even another mini episode in it. We're working on some new stuff. Some uh, roundtable discussions with different people where instead of just me being me on my own or me with the guys in, in the studio... And we have a drink and we have a long form discussion. I'm going to be having discussions with different people uh, from around the world. And having some one-on-ones or, or freeway roundtable discussions about very various different topics. So there's that coming up. So there's lots of new things, not lots of exciting things coming up. So thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed The Joker. I really do. I'd, I'd love to hear what other people think about this film. Being Sam Valentine and you've been listening to This Guy is Sick. 